2: Wes Walker Show Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. I swear, man, those things make you laugh every single time. They never get old. And I'm not saying that just because it's us. It's just funny, dog.
0: The Sagebrush one particularly is very <laughs> strong. Every single time, Fitty getting so excited about that. We've mentioned Sagebrush. We've got to be the number one radio show, not sports show, but number one radio show to mention that restaurant. In the last 10 years, we probably took care of the amount of times that's been mentioned in like a week the most so yeah i love it every single time you're not wrong about it
2: keep the text coming 704-570-9610 hit those socials wfnz on twitter and instagram at Wes and walker on twitter at Bryant underscore 72 at walker mail and at shrappy wfnz on twitter and instagram hit that follow button if you didn't catch Shroppy's beat which i know you didn't because we did it during the uh commercial break you can go check that out, man. Check out what Shroppy's working with. And soon we're gonna have like a full session. Like we're in the studio making an album. I'm just gonna let him play different tracks. And then we're gonna we're gonna post those, man, so you can hear what he's working with. But the one track he did do was fire. So go check out our social media handles so you can hear what Shroppy is cooking up over there. All right, so getting back into the college football discussion from this weekend, the North Carolina Tar Heels beat their first-ranked team of the season, defeating Miami 41-31, but the game was definitely not that close. The Heels definitely got up on the Miami Hurricanes big, and then Miami got a couple of cheapies. At the end, as you said, Walker, they were playing with their food towards the end of that game. (laughs) Yeah, they really were. Because I thought that this defense definitely came out and had a great performance. And I think the numbers, as you said, some of the cheap plays, yards at the end of the game took that down. But I thought that they were very dominant, as evidenced by that third quarter when they came out and 21 0 the Miami Hurricanes. And that pretty much put the game out of reach from there. The defense got stop after stop, including two interceptions of Tyler Van Dyke, who have been playing some pretty good football, but that's five interceptions for him in his last two weeks. But the question is now with what we've seen from Carolina, is this a game that could launch their college football playoff campaign? I'll let you go first.
0: Yeah, I look, if you're 6-0 and and the next three games are at home against Virginia, on the road against Georgia Tech, which it's not easy. But if North Carolina is undefeated at this point, you got to have – a win there on the road. And then you have Campbell at home before you take on Duke 16th in the country right now, death Valley. <laughs> that's going to be a tough one. No matter how bad Clemson is or good, however you want to evaluate him. And then NC state on the road, which they have absolutely struggled against NC state Wes, Realistically, they should be nine and zero heading into that game against Duke. They're going to be favored in every single game. I can't picture myself picking against them. Georgia tech's going to be the toughest, but they should be nine and zero. If you're 9-0 with three more games and the strength of schedule is going to help you in those last three, Duke, as long as they continue to win, Clemson, if they can sneak back into the top 25, then there's not going to be this, oh, it's this awful week schedule that they've been playing. They're going to have some key wins to enhance their college football playoff case. Yeah, this was the win to set them up for a potential run to get to a top four spot. 100%. Because now you have a top 25 win against Miami at that time. They should have been ranked higher, but Mario Cristobal decided not to kneel it, and instead they fumbled, even if that was a bad call. You still put them in harm's way. So now you have a good win to hang your hat on, and you have three games that should set you up for 9-0. and <laughs> You're 9-0. You're undefeated at that point in the season. Yeah, you're absolutely set up with a conversation point. You are at very least in the conversation to get to the college football playoff?
2: I will say it's a win realistically that does launch the college football playoff campaign. I will say that much, but I think there are some games down the stretch, like I said, that if they are able to win these, man, then it will certainly have them deserving of getting into the college football playoff. I'm not going to overlook the game at Georgia Tech, even though I normally like teams that have revenge on their mind and Carolina will certainly have revenge on their minds. But we know Georgia Tech and Carolina, when they get together, it's always a high-scoring affair. This Georgia Tech team is going to be confident with Haynes King the way that he's playing. But I would expect Carolina, in all honesty, the way they've been playing, to get the job done against them. That gauntlet at the end of the season, Duke, who will have get-back on their mind because of last year, Mm -hmm. Clemson at Clemson and at NC State uh, rivalry game, which Carolina has the get-back factor in that one. But I think that the gauntlet that they have, I think it's going to be tough from this football team as I see it. But I think that this defense is is playing really good football. But as far as just on the surface today, did it realistically launch them as a team that is going to be in the mix? You're sitting right there at 10 right now. So if you run the gauntlet and then you get a top five FSU in the, SC, in the ACC championship game, if that's how things play out. Certainly they've got a shot, man. Let me you ask happy you Carolina fans. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> right in 704 570 Tell Wes, thank you for giving Carolina some love. No. And and you and I have the same exact feelings. I think about Georgia tech. Uh-huh. I, I, it's that's the kind of game that would really provide a big old letdown for Carolina fans. Like here we are looking at those last three games. We're all don't lie to yourself. Heels fans. I know you've gone through pain, but I think we're all pretty damn excited to the point to just look at the last three games on this schedule and skip over Virginia, Georgia Tech, Campbell. Georgia Tech is the one. If it was at Scott Stadium, then you might be scared about Virginia because North Carolina's had their demons up there in Charlottesville. But now that it's at home, you might feel a little bit better. Georgia Tech's the one. That's the one that you got to get over in order to get to Duke. My last scenario with North Carolina I wanted to pose to you, Wes. What does a one-loss North Carolina team look like at the very end of the season, including an ACC championship victory? So let's say you lose to Duke. Let's say you lose to a top 25 Clemson team. Let's say they sneak in there. They're not top 10, but let's say they sneak in the top 25. It's on the road against Clemson, and they lose even if they're competitive. What does a one-loss North Carolina team look like to you as far as their college football playoff chances go?
2: uh, Yeah, I think it depends always on who do you lose to so if you want to go with that scenario that you lose to let's just say they lost to duke and duke is sitting there let's say they take care of business and duke is sitting there on the cusp of the top 10 then i think that that's a quality loss one that the committee will probably look at and say hey that's a good football team that they lost to all right but then you run the rest of the table the key though is Style points, obviously. Do you go in and dominate NC State? Do you dominate Clemson? Because if Clemson's still sitting there unranked, do you dominate them? Then when you play Florida State in that bowl game, I think that a one loss Carolina team with a loss to a Duke that's got a number beside their name, and then you are able to get to the ACC championship. If Duke were to lose again, you play FSU that's still sitting there in that top probably three by that yeah. point, two to three. Then yeah, you win that game, you're in. Yeah, it's
0: it's not like they have zero margin for error. They got they got one loss in them. They got to get to the ACC championship game, and they would have to win it. In my like, you have two losses, you lose to Florida State. Let's say in the ACC championship game, that won't do it. But they have a loss, which is crazy to honestly think about. I'm not. I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves. I understand that, but this is the point where we start to pay a little bit of attention to the teams that realistically are in the college football playoff race. And we'll see what they're able to do after this uh, next three-game slate. And then it gets really tough at the end of the season.
2: All right. Well, speaking of really tough, Walker, those uh, Charlotte 49ers, man, it's looking rough out here in these Queen City streets (laughs) for the uh, Charlotte 49ers. Are you going to force me to talk about this offense? (laughs) So we've got some time to uh, go check out what Biff Pogey said post-game. So let's hear what he said first about him blaming himself after the 1-5 and start.
3: I'm the guy that – put this thing together and we're one in five and so there is only one person to point at and that's me right so you know i I have to go home and you know figure it out you know and pray about it i'm gonna reflect on it um and then just see what, because, you know, we still we still have, what, let's say six games. We still have six games. And, you know, this is a game that we could have won, right? And and if you're Charlotte, this is a game Charlotte should have won. And I'm not taking anything away from the Naval Academy. I'm just saying, but you, did. you know, you look at this one and you <laughs> say, okay, this is a game that Charlotte should win.
2: All right, man. So I'm going to let you take it away before we get to the interview with him ripping his quarterback, but I'm going to let you take it away. What did you hear there? Because, but one, let me just say that I would love to hear the prayer. What would be involved in that when you pray about your football team? I think that would be hilarious to be able to hear. But what say you about the state of 49ers football and what we heard there from Biff Post? Yeah, the
0: the offense is as bad an offense in college football right now. They put up zero points against Navy zero we can't even get any garbage time points at the end and it honestly I don't even know if you can say there was any garbage time to be had because the defense kept them in the game enough they let Navy get out of the first half of the goose egg and then they allowed two big plays fullback dive and that triple option <laughs> or no sorry, I should say fullback option there getting the rock and then you know capping off a big old play Big passing down. And this is the problem with Charlotte's defense. Despite them being good, they have to limit the big plays. That has bitten them a couple of times. But Navy scores 14 points. You should be able to put up 17. Your defense allows 14. That should lead you um, with enough confidence, leave you with enough confidence for the offense to put up some points. Wes, if you go to ESPN.com and you pull up the box score, and then you go and you look at the play-by-play category, every single possession for both teams Ended in a punt, except for the last possession for Charlotte to end the half, one play minus two yards. Every single one. I mean, not an interception, not a fumble, not a field goal, nothing. Punt, 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 all the way until we got to the second half. It was brutal. Darrell Robinson not playing for this team, that was the guy I think we were all really excited about. There's not a player that we can say, hey, we have that guy on our squad. We're going to go win this football game, and I think collectively the defense is very good. But even there, we don't have an we don't have an Alex Highsmith that's a household defensive name. We don't have the Marquise Watts even that we were really excited about. Larry Ogunjobi, who we know is going to be a NFL draft pick. The defense is very good. It's not their fault. Even if they've allowed some big plays, it's the offense. They're atrocious. I just don't know how they're going to if they can't score against Navy. And this was the game to where we should really start being competitive and getting some wins after Power Five, after SMU, and you put up a goose egg, man. Yeah, that it's going to be tough, and that's why Biff Pogey sounds so dejected in that post game press conference.
2: All right, and then let's hear to let's hear from him the interview where he rips his quarterback Walker to piggyback on your comments about the offense.
3: of coming off the bench, and uh, Jones has taken all the bullets, and I told him, you know, just do, just play like your coach. What are you doing? I mean, these are easy throws, and just, you know, if it's too big for you, let me know. Mm. But, you know, he's got to step up. How do you hope to see your offense establish some sort of rhythm? It would be nice if he could throw the ball a little bit. Um, but, you know, we got to keep running, and our defense is playing unbelievable. Thanks so much, Coach. Appreciate
2: it, all right, we'll get to this some more as as the week goes on, but I don't like that. Like, come on, man. Like, you got a quarterback out there. You're throwing him in there. It's not like this offense is some juggernaut. Uh, Navy's getting after his behind when you look at the numbers. They surrendered four sacks and seven tackles for loss. So, yeah, I, I don't think you get on there, man, especially with the way that this season has gone. There are a multitude of issues on this team. Don't get on that halftime and rip your quarterback like that, man. The kid's out there. He's trying to do his best for you. You tell him – you give him that speech in the locker room. Tell him that in the locker room. We don't need to hear that on TV. And if that was my kid or uh, – or or people should have a problem with that, man. You can't throw your players under the bus that
0: bad. No, I agree with you, man. Like, it, especially – it sounded so different than what we heard in the postgame press conference. People want to hear accountability. It's no different no matter – What head coach are listening to? We wanted to hear it from Matt rule. Couldn't stand at any time that he deflected blame. We kind of joke about it with Frank Reich taking too much accountability, but at least we have that. That has been some sort of solace despite you being frustrated with Frank Reich as a head coach. We saw the clip of Shane Beamer. He goes in after the South Carolina loss and he points to individual plays that should have been executed that we called the perfect play in some scenarios. And it was the players that weren't executing. And people got so frustrated. That clip went viral. That was real critical of Shane Bieber not accepting that responsibility. And Biff Pogey, he was accountable in the postgame press conference. But it seemed like in the heat of the moment, punting every single possession in the first half. Where the quarterback wasn't good. Like I, I don't think anybody's arguing that. He was not good. But man, you went into him. I hope, I hope that you know enough about Trexler-Ivy to the point where you think that's what drives him and you were going to get something good from him in the second half. That's the only saving grace that he has. Because if it's not, I mean, to me, it sounds like most QBs wouldn't perform that well after they hear Biff Poggi say it. And maybe he didn't. I'm not sure that trexler Ivy's going in the locker room hearing the halftime speech. But afterwards, you hear that? Does that help you? Right. Or is that worse for you to go out there and you actually just don't perform well the next game out because your head coach was ripping you to the entire fan base as you were leaving for the locker room? Yeah, I'm with you, Wes. It, it sounds like that should have been said to him behind closed door.
2: Yeah, we're going to get more into this, as I said, but don't like that at all. You, you can't do your quarterback or your players like that out there to the nation. But when we come back, it's Miami, the model that Carolina needs to copy to get the most out of their number one overall draft pick. That and a whole lot more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
1: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kisimta Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kisimta and check out the details at kisimta.com Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
0: Four segments to go on a Monday. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ news breaking during the show earlier that Frank Reich was going to hand over play calling duties to offensive coordinator Thomas Brown. People have been clamoring for this for the 37 year old offensive coordinator to take over play calling duties for a while now. Like really after the first two games of the season, it got that bad. We had a little bit of a lull in that conversation after Andy Dalton did some nice things with Seattle and then Minnesota happened 0-4. Once you go 0-4, you know you're going 0-6 against teams like Detroit and Miami. Here you are going into the bye week. Thomas Brown now officially going to be the new play caller. We want to hear your thoughts about it on the text line 704-570-9610. I'll be honest with you. When it comes to play calling, Miami feels like they're in a different world. They're not even playing the same sport, Wes. Did you see a couple of the play calls that we saw that we got from Mike McDaniel in this game? I'll tell you one: the Panthers got lucky. I'm I'm happy (laughs) that that defense was able to keep them to zero points on the first couple of possessions, but that third and a half yard, third and a yard situation where they faked the QB sneak. And then Tua turns around and throws it to Raheem Mostert out of the backfield. But just misfires. Awful throw. I don't even know if Mostert touches it. First, almost didn't hop on it, but it was a fumble. And then he eventually takes it and Miami punts. But man, if Raheem Mostert catches that, if it's a better pass from Tua, he might take that to the house, man. I I thought the play design was great. They didn't pick it up. Whatever. But here you were talking about if the fan base... We'll see better play designs, even if it's not fruitful. They'll be happier with Thomas Brown as the OC. That's the type of play you're talking about, in my opinion. We got to see the tight end in motion block for Raheem Mostert on that touchdown run. Real innovative stuff. I don't know if we we shouldn't expect what Mike McDaniel is bringing to the table from Thomas Brown or really anybody else, except for maybe Kyle Shanahan, Ben Johnson, Sean McVay. Those are the names in that category. But we just want to see some creativity, and we want to see something a little better than what we've seen the first six losses. Hopefully they can do that with the personnel, which is not as good as Miami's. The personnel, play calling and personnel, not going to be as good as the Dolphins.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. And it starts with, like I said, a a Tyreek Hill, who's one of the fastest players, most dominant receivers that we've seen with that kind of speed. You normally talk about track guys not being great all-around football players, and He is, and so he opens up so much for that offense, so you got to start there. But you don't necessarily have to have a Tyreek Hill type of guy, but your number one guy definitely has to be capable of being a real threat to a team, no matter how you want to do it. Is he a big physical guy? Is he a speed guy? Whatever the case may be. It's just all about creating mismatches, and you can do that in a multitude of ways. It's going to be difficult to be able to go out and find speed receivers that are the playmakers that the Dolphins have. Because most of the time, guys that are those super-duper speed guys are one-dimensional. Jalen Waddle, he's a guy that can give it to you however you want it. You talk about Tyreek Hill. He's a guy that can give it to you however you want it. Then Braxton Berrios, he can pick him up and put him down as well, and he's pretty dynamic in that slot position. And then, oh, yeah, you talk about the backs that you have, Devin A. Chain, Raheem Mostert, those guys can fly as well. So how – difficult is it to find five guys that can all run like that that's not going to be very easy but what you can do is find guys who have different parts of their skill set that will create mismatches and I think that's the route that the Panthers have to go they have to be dynamic in some way like you said when we were talking about LaVisca well if you're going to be a 4-6 wide receiver you better be able to break tackles like Debo Samuels because that's what he does Debo Samuels is not the fastest guy when you talk about the 40-yard time that he runs, but when he gets the football, we haven't seen anybody that can break tackles like he does. Guys just bounce off of him like you're throwing tennis balls at him, running down a hallway, and can you do that? Or are you just a 50-50 ball specialist where you can throw it up to the guy and he's going to go get it and take the top off the defense? How do you want to build your offense is the question. Yes, Miami is a blueprint, but it's not that easy to be able to do that. In that case, everybody would do it. But I think you can start there looking at them as just saying we want to have speed, speed, speed all over the football field. And you can guarantee that if they continue this season, number one in all these categories and go out and do their thing, you're going to see more and more teams try to implement that blueprint.
0: Yeah, I I hope that they're able to implement that. I don't know if anybody's going to be able to do it because, look, Tyreek Hill is unlike, I don't know, how many receivers have we ever seen like him? Different, right? Jalen Waddell is a first-round pick was drafted even higher than a Devonte Smith was and that same. And Devonte Smith won the Heisman. So, you know, what kind of special ability you're getting from somebody like Jalen Waddle. I get wanting to have somebody more dynamic though on this team. I mean, and, and they just don't have that. Jonathan Mingo was somebody you were hoping for and he was supposed to be the complete package had size physical runner. We even saw some of that yak in the preseason. We saw him on a slant, create some separation and be able to pick up some yardage after the catch. We've seen that ability, but not nearly enough. And he's not bringing in the little targets. Actually, he's getting quite a few targets. That's why we talked about it last week. Not as many in this game against Miami, but he's just not bringing them, bringing them in there. That connection just isn't there. And so you don't have nearly the speed that Miami does or, Whatever other fast team you want to talk about, right? I think San Francisco, they're fast. Iuke, Debo's fast. Like, yeah, he's he's a freak too. Physically, he gets hurt too much, but physically he's got dudes bouncing all over him nonstop. And then you also have, you know, Brandon Iuke, Christian McCaffrey. Like, it's crazy. that p- Smart play callers and speed is what has been killing in the NFL for some time. And then you even have, let's go to a Sean McVay, right? So if we go to the Rams offense, where Thomas Brown comes from, a guy like Puka Nakua, he actually fell really far in the draft because he's not fast, but they know what he's very good at. Mm -hmm. Really physical wide receiver, not a speed demon, a little worried about if he can win a man coverage, has shown a little bit of that, though. But he's a zone killer, and he has been able to develop a fantastic chemistry with Matthew Stafford. And then once they get Cooper Cut back, I mean, he's catching 50-yard bombs constantly. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Tutu Atwell, who is probably 135 pounds soaking wet. It took a little while for him to cook, but now they're starting to scheme him downfield. So can you have a coaching staff that emphasizes the skill set of the wide receivers you have? Sometimes they're just not good enough. And I would argue they've done that with Adam Thielen. He's running out of the slot more than he ever has. And Adam Thielen has been really productive, and that has been Bryce Young's favorite target by far. But man, this is the problem with Thomas Brown receiving play calling duties, Wes. Is there enough there to do something that Frank Reich wasn't? And we're going to see a lot better offense going forward. That's the thing where I'm not so sure we are going to see that despite them handing over play calling duties.
2: Yeah. And so another thing with this, too, is, you know, not to say that older coaches in the NFL don't get it. I mean, football is football at the end of the day. And as a. Uh, many different types of ways that you can score points. But I do think when you look at the more dynamic offenses, it's coming from the younger coaches who just are a little bit more creative, not stuck in the old school ways uh, of the NFL and then football in general. And that's not to say that Carolina needs to necessarily should have hired a coach that's 29 or 33, but they had chances to hire a young coach that had some different types of philosophies. And I think that's what you see too. And there's always going to be innovators, man. And you look at even back in the day when Bill Walsh, what he brought into the game and and different guys, uh, what they brought from a creativity standpoint. So that's going to be the interesting part to see about Thomas Brown, because I would like to think he thinks of himself in that vein. Is this a guy that's going to eventually become a head coach and become one of those coaches like a Mike McDaniel who uh, can come out there and do some things that you haven't seen before? And that's going to be. The cool part about this whole experience with him is that he does fall into that demographic of a relatively young head coach. He's, he's pretty young to be an offensive coordinator, and we've seen the league go uh, in that direction. So that's the thing: is he going to bring that to the table, the creative calls, some of the things that Panthers fans aren't used to seeing? And uh, I can't wait to see what he does.
0: So, and this is what this is what's interesting to me, though, because if you had a problem. Let me ask you this first, then we can address it. Okay. Did you have a problem with play
2: calling against Miami? Um, I mean, to me, Wright calls good games, and I think where he made his bones was the timing, situational football, different things that he did. But as far as just seeing anything, wow, I was like, wow, that's, that's, uh, that, that's an amazing play call or play actions and stuff like that. They do it every now and again, but to answer your question, no.
0: I didn't think there was that big of a problem either. And I think some of the criticisms that I've seen, right? So Miami scores 21 in a hurry. They're set up by the fake punt, not picking up the first down. Once that happened, Miami was off and rolling. They scored 35 unanswered, right? So now you know what it is with Miami at this point. You can applaud your defense if you want to for the first quarter or first half performance, really first quarter. But they scored 21 very quickly. <laughs> you, yeah. went, you went to the locker room down after being up after the first 14 to nothing. So now you're throwing, you're looking to be aggressive as much as you possibly can. The criticisms that I've seen from this game in particular against Miami, as far as play calling goes, was that they were getting away from the run. But if we want more innovation from Thomas Brown, innovation to me, a lot of that usually people will picture more throwing. But they have a problem with Frank Reich throwing. So if Thomas Brown, because Houston's defense, let's just go with this next game. Houston's defense has been good. CJ Stroud deserves all the credit in the world. But also they're winning football games because their defense has been really good. That has been one of the more surprising aspects of the entire NFL. Just watch what the Saints did. They couldn't score. So now you have Thomas Brown. Let's say that they're down early and they can't run. And you throw a little bit more. Yeah, you would love to see more interesting concepts, but I just wonder if we're going to have that kind of criticism for Thomas Brown as soon as game one. And I hope it doesn't. But now you don't have any other changes to make until you're firing dudes. Scott Fitter is the first guy to go. We've talked about that. And then it's all about, does Frank Reich last another season? Because nobody expected them to go 0-6, and now here they are, and it's happened in the worst of ways. I mean, even some of the scores, yeah, you were running the football effectively, but... Adam Thielen, 27 yard pickup happened on first down, Wes, like play action pass on first down, picking up big chunks of yardage. I didn't have a ton of problems with the way they were calling plays, at least at first. And then you do become a little one dimensional because you're down immediately because it's Miami's offense. They scored 42. Like it was nothing after they went, they scored 42 and three quarters. (laughs) It was nothing. Nothing. So now you got to be aggressive as hell, and you even asked the question: Was this the most aggressive that we've seen a Bryce Young-led offense so far
2: this year? Yeah, I mean, you had a good mix of, of of running pass, but they. I just felt it. To me, it just kind of felt different, and I think once Carolina felt like they got outside of that first possession where it didn't go the way they wanted it to go, it it felt aggressive, even though it didn't look necessarily as as creative as maybe you would think. But it it just felt aggressive, the fact that they were able to get points on the board. The offensive line was playing pretty good football at that point, um, running the football well. But then, like I said, bad teams, I've always believed that you are what your record says. And I think that when you come out there and you're an 0-6 football team, man, eventually things are going to pop up. Eventually things are going to go south. That's what happened. So you just have to try to take the positives and move on from that. And that's what this Carolina team has to do. But eventually the bottom just fell out because an 0 sixteen gone going
0: 0-6. This is why this was the easiest thing to see coming, right? I mean, it's the, it's the only move you can make without firing people. Frank Reich did talk about it today. He had some comments saying that it wasn't easy, but he felt it was the right thing to do. Said that this was not David Tepper's decision, that it was his own, which you can take that however you want to. You calling Cap? I'm going to guess David Tepper had a conversation <laughs> with Frank Reich about this. If this was Frank Reich going to David Tepper, I'm sure Tepper didn't want to stop him. That's what I'll say. Yeah. But now Thomas Brown is going to be the guy. And Frank Reich also talked about how if you look at this offense, just trying to manufacture, this is what he talked about at least at the beginning of the season, they're trying to figure out ways to throw it deep. And I, I actually think that it's been better. I, I think we've got to see it in the first two quarters, right? The offense has been better. It's just, man, I don't think there's enough talent. I mean, the offensive line, Wes, interior pass protection is just non-existent. It's just not. I I know we have our jokes about Taylor Moten, but that's by far the most consistent pass protector. It's not even close. And Icky, he gave up a sack at the beginning of the game. And Icky actually was, I think, okay for the most part after that. But interior pass protection, good God, Bryce Young can't step up in the pocket. He just can't do it. I mean, people, Christian Wilkins... He's blowing up Bradley Bozeman. Bozeman, I thought, did some nice stuff in the run-blocking game. I think you even saw it on that touchdown, the first one of the game, for Chuba Hubbard. But pass protection, Christian Wilkins is going to destroy him. We saw another Clemson Tiger destroy him in the preseason with Dexter Lawrence. Chandler Zavala, when he's out there, not good. Cade Mays did probably better compared to the other guards. <laughs> that we've seen up front. It's just, it's going to be tough. That's what Thomas Brown has to deal with as soon as he's
2: calling play. And real quick too, I know we talked about this pre-show. I want to know what Panthers fans thought of Christian Wilkins, the celebration, dissing the Brian Burns Spider-Man. He put the double web shooters out, then gave you the finger wag and said, uh-uh, and then put the Power Rangers up back from the Clemson days. When I saw that, you know, me being a little bit of a trash talker, that got me uh, pretty excited. though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that was a pretty creative celebration. But, yeah, he was able to celebrate because he could not be blocked on the interior of that offensive line. That's why I said it's going to be wholesale changes coming to this offensive line. You can bet your bottom dollar.
0: So here's, here's another pro, though. Just real, We've kind of been going over pros and cons. It was It's the easiest decision to make, right? It's the one where you hand over duties to an assistant coach or you fire assistant coaches. We see that quite a bit. Austin Corbett is making good progress. We've seen him out there at practice, and he probably was your best offensive lineman last year. So even if it doesn't mean that you're bringing back Larry Allen, you have a monster gap in skill with whoever's been playing guard so far to when Austin Corbett comes back. That is a significant upgrade. Even if he's not a pro bowler, fringe pro bowler last year, somebody that was playing well, especially in pass protection. So does that fix a lot of, problems too and can thomas brown count on austin corbett being out there which is going to help him hopefully it does like i i hope that this kind of hits a reset button where we get austin corbett out there starting you have him implemented in the system with the bye week same thing with thomas brown getting his feet wet as a new play caller calling plays for the first time ever in his nfl career bryce young now okay we got bad zero and six football out of our heads it's a new day we have the second half of the season and some change coming up. That's what I hope. Like, Can you hit the reset button on a few different factors? And the schedule will be easier. If you have any kind of hope, those are some of the reasons as to why you have
2: it. Yeah, I think, too, one issue, man, that when you look at it, communication issues and kind of some fundamental stuff, because the fact that Taylor Mone gave up, uh, it was a big communication issue. He thought that the linebacker... You know, I don't I don't I'm I'm not exactly sure what he thought because uh the guy was sitting on his inside shoulder, then the linebacker came and he didn't slide inside to take it and just left him and that's how the guy gets a wide open sack. Yeah, so exactly I think they have communication issues, they have fundamentally flawed issues as far as technique, skill. There's a lot going on there and um, you know, one guy can come back and help. But when you have as many issues as they have, it's just going to be tough, man, to get those five guys uh, playing as good as they can.
0: Well, the good news is Corbett got hurt in the last game of last season. So you have a lot of snaps together. Taylor Moten and Corbett, they got hurt in, what was it, game 17 for them? Or week 17, game – yeah, excuse me, game 17. So – now that you have Calvin Throckmorton, Chandler Savala, so many like how many right guards has he played next to you so far? It's been a lot. Hopefully that hap- that that can fix itself and then real quickly too. The the icky sack that he gave up to Bradley Chubb in the second play of the game, I was like, great, we know what time it is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and he like, put out his old celebration, a little skip that he used to yeah. do. I cut that a lot of times at the old ACCDN, a little skip. Yeah, uh,
0: I know we're maybe like second take Tuesday stuff here, but. Is the left tackles supposed to cheat inside if you're getting help from the running back, too? Yes.
2: Because he didn't, right? Yeah. Like Chuba Hubbard is coming out, chipping Bradley Chubb, but he still gets beat inside. That's something that you wonder, too, like, is the brain turned on at that point? Because mm-hmm. you're like, yo, as a tackle, you know if I got help coming, if I'm going to get that chip, I'm staying inside.
0: And that's where he got beat. Yeah. At least he, he played better after that, though. I Not in the run game so much, but at least in the pass protection, Icky did play better as the game went on. All right, it's a new day, Panthers fans. We got some changes on the horizon as the news came in earlier. Thomas Brown will be your play caller going forward. That came in about a couple hours ago. We have one more segment to go. It's the walk-off coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.
1: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kisimta and check out the details at Kisimta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
0: Will we see any more changes from the Panthers before we get to the next game after the bye against the Houston Texans? You can let us know as we end the show here today, 704-570-9610. We got one. It's the first one. It's the only one, according to Frank Reich. Again, Thomas Brown going to be the play caller for the Carolina Panthers moving forward. I just wonder how many other changes might come With Albert Breer having that write up on Sports Illustrated, that they might be looking to sell. The Panthers could be looking to trade Jeremy Chin, trade Terrace Marshall Jr., maybe even Dante Jackson, and of course, the big one, Brian Burns, if they decide to trade. Or do they
2: need some new furniture for like the players' lounge or something? Because that's probably what they'll get.
0: With Jeremy Chin?
2: Yeah, Chin. uh, Who's the the guy that you would
0: trade for first? Like, out of those three guys, who would you rather trade for? Out of Terrace Marshall Jr., Dante Jackson, and Jeremy and Jeremy Chen. TMJ. Yeah, you don't want any of them, though. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want any of them. Yeah, who knows? I, I don't know. Like that's I don't know how much they would get. And and it certainly wouldn't feel like enough to really have us excited about all right, at least we got all these draft picks. It'll get you to a sixth round, seventh
2: round. I mean, but at this point, when you're over. for. That's a lot of holes to fill, so you'll take all the draft picks you can get at this point.
0: Yeah, and and even a it feels like Jeremy Chin would get the most, I think. Maybe Terrace Marshall Jr. if you just have a lot of hope in him coming back healthy. But it feels like Jeremy Chin would be the guy. I don't think Dante – I don't feel like Dante Jackson would be getting a ton.
2: See, I read a write-up. I I don't know sometimes what people watch sometimes, but I've seen write-ups that caught him a very good corner. So I think that there's some teams that might feel like that. Mm-hmm. They might give up a mid-round pick for a guy like that, maybe a four to a six.
0: Look, I I fell for the okey-doke on Dante Jackson a couple times, man. I, I've always been one of those guys that, like, if he just doesn't bite, can he just stay on the field and not take bad angles and – then you can really have a nice corner because they just don't make them that fast. And he's given us some decent performances earlier in his career. Then he gets hurt. And, uh, look, no safety help on the Tyreek Hill go route. Like Dante, as fast as Dante is, nobody's as fast as Tyreek in the game. No safety help, but also Dante just not going to be able to and keep I like, up with him.
2: I feel like he's also been kind of the same size since he got drafted. And I feel like as much trouble as he has because <laughs> a lot of his injuries come when he's making tackles. So I would have felt like he would have put on a little bit more weight. And I'm sure he might have put on five, six pounds since he's been in the league. But I felt like that a guy like that would want to put on a little bit more bulk to be able to withstand some of that physical punishment.
0: Yeah, not Dante, you know, just a smaller guy out there in the secondary. And uh, honestly, getting Dante Jackson back because of all the other injuries, that was viewed as a positive coming into this past game because they had so many injuries, man. This is something I want to get to. Maybe we can tease it, give you a little appetizer, but talk about it more in depth tomorrow. How much pressure is there on a Averro because of all the injuries this defense has suffered?
2: Um, Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to give him a pass this year probably because of that. But I think in the seasons going forward, and it just depends on how people view Burns and Brown. Do they feel like that they're getting the most out of him or he's not? Or whatever the case may be. But I think the injuries are going to buy him a little bit of cachet for this season.
0: Yeah, and I also wonder too, if, if we were all worried about um Jero Averro coming in for one season basically being here for a rental and then taking a head coaching job after an o type season or let's say you win optimistically at the most like what four games if that can happen for this Panthers oh, team yeah, that ain't or happening. I figured the joke was coming. I decided to set you all up for that one. <laughs> but you get the idea. Let's say they don't win too many. Yeah. Then maybe not too many people come knocking on the door for Aveiro to be the head coach. And then you get him. He's really good. It's just that the injuries have killed this team. You have new group of players coming in. You got a lot of cap space. I think that's the optimistic view as well. It's the fact that Aveiro maybe doesn't go get a head coaching job. Let's say that we still feel good enough about him to where we don't want him to leave the organization. And then maybe that's a positive. Your coordinators here, Thomas Brown still calling plays, and Jero Vero still calling plays on the other side.
2: Yeah, I would agree with you, too. And that's one thing to look forward to as well. And, I mean, the teams that win the offseason that spend a bunch of money normally don't do well. But the Panthers should have a good amount of Skrilla too to be able to spend to make uh, some quick come-ups.
0: There's a lot of other people writing in as we talk about trading some of these players for draft picks. So many people are writing the fact that we don't hit on draft picks in Carolina anyway, so what difference does it make?
2: Well, hopefully if you hire the right GM and you decide to fire Fitterer, that could change. Right,
0: that's why it's so weird. Because Scott Fitterer is the guy that could be getting the ax because he is going to be the fall guy. Scott Fitterer having not set up this team Well enough around their number one overall pick In Bryce Young Fitterer is the one that makes the most sense It's always felt like that if things went awry He would be the guy that gets fired But do you fire him before he actually Has the ability to Change some pieces at the trade deadline So you're going to let him have One more stretch of power Before you move on Yeah. That's the weird part about it If you're going to fire him then that's that's why I think it's on the table By week That's when you see some changes. We saw it with play calling duties. That's why I think it's on the table that perhaps, Wes, perhaps Scott Fitter isn't the GM of this team after the bye week. Are you going to fire a fizzle? That's the
2: question that they have to answer.
0: (laughs) No doubt about it. That'll do it. The dismount, excellent from one Wes Bryant. Thanks again to Strappy helping us out the past couple of shows, including this one. Hopefully, he brings us some beats to play on the airwaves the next time he runs the ones and twos that'll do it for Weston Walker it's Kyle Bailey it's Smoke Ludwig coming up next it's all on Sports Radio 927 WFNZ